when we're young, we quickly learn who has authority over our lives. Mom, dad, grandpa, grandma, teachers, coaches, and if you're the pastor's kid, everyone in the congregation. We need competent authorities to set boundaries and meet needs. It's why that statement, whoever gives up a little bit of freedom for a little bit of security deserves neither, is way far too simple. The fact is, we have no choice but to give up some personal freedom if we're going to live together without killing each other. Authority figures are part of that. Of course, conflict arises when old assumptions about authority get questioned. Consider our post-truth world. We can't possibly investigate everything ourselves. So who do you trust to tell you the truth? Who do you believe when it comes to the news? Which politician do you believe? And don't tell me none, because there are some politicians that all of us believe over, over other politicians. Which pastor speaks with authority? How do we understand the truth of the Bible and its authority for our lives? Sometimes conflicts over questions of, of authority lead to war such as the American Revolution, when American colonists refused to recognize the tyrant King George's authority, or the wars between Catholics and Protestants over the authority of the Catholic Church. Sometimes they lead to the breakup of churches. Doubts over the Pope's authority led to the Reformation, which, sped, which spurred further debates on Scripture's authority. Much of human history can be boiled down to these questions. Who has authority? How is that authority to be exercised? And how should that authority be followed? Luke turns all those questions on their head by showing us where ultimate authority resides. In the person we would least expect. A Jewish carpenter from a no-account village in a backwater province of the Roman Empire. I love that the narrative lectionary has paired these readings, these two, two stories. The story about the centurion and the story about the widow and her son. The first story concerns a powerful man and his slave. The second, a destitute woman and her son. In the first story, a Gentile leader of the occupying Roman military sends for Jesus. In the second, Jesus shows up unsummoned. In the first, Jesus heals from afar. In the second, Jesus touches the dead man. In the first, Jesus praises the centurion for his faith. In the second, nobody shows any sign of faith whatsoever. The cumulative effect Putting these two stories together shows us just how wide-ranging Jesus' authority is. Luke shows us that Jesus' authority comes from God. And because Jesus' authority comes from God, neither of these healings are ends in and of themselves. The healing of the centurion slave and the resuscitation of the young man point to the essence of the kingdom of God. Humble service that brings healing to the sick 
and life to the dead. Jesus' authority extends to all. He's willing to go to a Gentile's home and risk ritual impurity. And not just any Gentile, it needs to be said, but a representative of the occupation, however benevolent he may be. A good oppressor is still an oppressor, after all. He's willing to say something provocative. Jesus says something very provocative to his fellow Jews about this centurion. Never in Israel have I seen such faith. He's willing to interrupt a funeral in the second story, unasked and unsummoned to bring hope back to the hopeless and life to the dead. Jesus doesn't risk ritual impurity in the second story. He actually incurs it. Touching a dead body incurred ritual impurity back then. Jesus' authority extends to matters of life and death. When Jesus exercises his authority, there is humble recognition of it from from the faithful. The centurion surely learned in his training that there was only one way to command respect from the populace, overwhelming force. As such, he could have commanded Jesus to heal his slave. But he he chooses humility. He even recognizes that Jesus doesn't need to be physically present, doesn't even need to be there physically to bring healing. His authority over life and death means that he can heal anyone, anywhere, at any time. And Jesus' authority is not dependent on faith or unfaith. In his explanation to the second petition of the Lord's Prayer, Luther writes, God's kingdom comes on its own without our prayer, without our prayer. But we ask in this prayer that it may also come to us. Our lack of faith does not impede God's work to inaugurate his kingdom on earth. Neither the widow nor the bearers nor the crowd show any sign of faith. No one asks for the young man to be raised. No one probably even thought of it. Dead is dead, after all. Everyone knew about itinerant healers back then, but no one was able to bring someone back from the dead. In that moment, the widow's face must have been the face of despair. Jesus does the impossible without any input from anyone else around him. And that can give you and me hope. Because wherever we are, whether sick or well, whether hopeful or hopeless, whether exhausted or energized, Jesus has authority over life and death. Jesus has authority over everything that afflicts us. There's a reason that the Christian church has placed so much emphasis on healing ministry. Healing was an emphasis of the kingdom from day one of Jesus' ministry. It's true that we're all going to die one day. Even the young man that Jesus raised had to die. And it's true that we may not experience the healing we desire in this realm. But because we belong to Christ, 
Christ gives us his wholeness, his health, his resurrection. All these healings in the New Testament, all these miraculous things that Jesus does as part of his ministry, they're just a foretaste of what Jesus gives us. They're pointers to what Jesus gives us, both now and in the age to come. Jesus' authority is unlike any other authority in that his authority is unambiguously for you and for me and for the well-being of the entire creation. And in another surprising thing, Jesus gives us his authority as well. Maybe we can't heal like he does. We probably can't raise the dead like he does. Imagine if we could. But we can sure live out his healing in our lives. None of us, unless we can lead lives that point to him who has the authority to bring life out of death. Jesus' authority isn't pyramid-shaped, but it is circle-shaped, with ever-expanding rings that envelop the entire cosmos. And in Jesus' kingdom, there's no domination There's only the love of Christ, the humble love of Christ, which makes us whole. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, you enfold us in your healing embrace and empower us to lead lives that witness to your authority over life and death. In an age of confusion, disappointment, and perhaps even despair for some, remind us that authority rests in you and in no other.